0: On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Metro Ford of OKC, the voice of the Oklahoma Sooners, Toby Rowland, joins us for an interview. We talk to Toby about OU basketball heading into March Madness, and talk a little spring football. We talk some more OU football by recapping OU Pro Day, and we roast Nebraska for the stunt they pulled. We make our final four predictions in Football Guys Talking Basketball, and give you our winners and losers of the week. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us, all right? I'm man Michael Hastie. We'll kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Thursday, March 18th, and you're listening to the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Layman, presented by Metro Ford of OKC. Metro Ford of OKC's inventory is the best of the best. In fact, they own more Black Widows and more 2021 F-150s than anybody else. They're the only Roush and Rocky Ridge dealer in the state. You can find a ride at Metro Ford of OKC that you can't find anywhere else in Oklahoma. Just like their selection of vehicles is unmatched, so is their customer service. The Metro Ford of OKC difference program is included with the purchase of every new and pre-owned vehicle. It includes free oil changes for life, lifetime window tint, lifetime nitrogen fill for your tires, complimentary wheel locks, interior fabric protection, complimentary service loaners, a complimentary shuttle with service, and a complimentary multi-point inspection. Come feel the performance when you test drive a Roush or Raptor, and come see why the difference is real at Metro Ford of OKC. Visit Metro Ford of OKC.com for more information or go to the dealership and tell them we sent you. Now, we're recording this on Wednesday night. Please do not forget to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and let us know who you want us to try to get on the podcast. We've got Toby Rowland, the voice of the Sooners, Ted, our guy. It's a good one, too. 40 minutes of, I mean, we're talking OU football, OU basketball. A little women's basketball in there with Sherry Cole retiring. Even some baseball. We talked baseball for the first time ever on this pod. It's got to be the first time ever baseball has been mentioned on here.
1: I know. And had we not run out of time, we could have got into publishing too. He's a best-selling author, publishing a book, amazing stuff.
0: So you you guys will enjoy that, and we'll try to keep the volume levels down. We'll try not to get too excited. Because I assume some of you had a very fun St. Patrick's Day. So we want to be considerate of those people. Uh, hope you all had a great St. Patty's Day. But, you know, sometimes it, sometimes it gets a little out of hand. That's just how it happens. So before we get to T-Row, let's uh, talk about some of the OU stuff. we got to play catch up a little bit with how we did things last week. We, we have missed some stuff because we pre-recorded stuff. And that's, that's on me. I was on vacation. That's on me. It's not Teddy's fault. It's my fault. I'll take the blame. So, Ted, I want to start by recapping OU Pro Day. And I watched it out in Hawaii, got up early in the morning to watch it. Did not know it was going to be three and a half hours, but got, got to listen to you and Chad McKee break it all down. I watched it all, but no one really covered it the way that you covered it, having to watch every single thing. So, let's just go with your biggest takeaways from OU Pro Day.
1: Biggest takeaway from OU Pro Day was that you absolutely hung my ass out to dry a a three-and-a-half-hour broadcast with no commercial breaks.
0: To my defense, (laughs) to my defense, I told the people at Sooner Vision that I could bring equipment. And that if they could give me a feed of what's going on, that I could do it. And they passed when I offered that. I was going to do it with you because I knew there's one thing. There is one thing that is a certainty on this planet. And that is that OU pro day coverage will last longer than they tell you it's going to last. That is the one thing I know.
1: Six or seven guys. It's like, this one's going to be fast. We didn't even have a quarterback throwing. And it still lasted three and a half hours but I'm sorry. um, No, you're fine. I'm just joking. It was fun. Chad. Sorry, man. man. Um, My biggest takeaway is I, I thought Creed Humphrey had a first round performance. Does that mean that he gets drafted in the first round? Well, not necessarily, but I would say in a typical year, average year this year, who knows what needs are and who's at the end of the draft. And, And, you know, kind of the position breakdown in a typical year with his film, his experience level, his versatility at a couple of different positions, his size and his athleticism. He's a first round, pretty much a first round every year offensive lineman. Do you agree with that?
0: Absolutely. And I I knew Creed was more athletic than people realized. I've been saying it for years now because I've had conversations about it with him. And I thought one thing he did that was really smart, and I've been telling him this for years. I've been telling everyone that wants to listen this for years. He was playing too heavy. Mm -hmm. I always thought that he needed to be in that 305-ish range because he's got the strength. So when you have that type of strength – you don't necessarily need that type of weight, right? Agreed. So you when you have the mobility and the flexibility and when you're lean like that and you can move really well, not only can you bend a little better, you just feel better. So when I saw he weighed in at 302, to put it in perspective, he weighed less than me than when I weighed in at the combine. I
1: mean, right? He's now, been playing it above 320, right?
0: Yeah. Well above it, and I never understood why because when you're that strong, and I, I always kind of compared it to Jason Kelsey, and I've told Creed this story. I've told a bunch of people this story, but Jason Kelsey, when the Philadelphia Eagles went on that Super Bowl run, he was like 279 in the Super Bowl, but he could be that light because he was he's just freakishly strong, similar to Creed,
1: right? The best so, centers that I've seen either played with or played against are were all under 300 pounds and things have changed but uh Riola at Detroit played for a million years he was like a 285 guy Ola Cruz uh Fane who's pretty Krutz good Ola Cruz scares me He's a scary dude I don't care how much he weighs you don't want to you don't want to meet up with that guy He did so like a tough. little
0: uh, guest coaching thing when I was in Cleveland and he was there for like a week or two Holy shit. That guy is terrifying. Uh, oh I've, my I've goodness. Heard
1: the stories about that guy. And Whoa. They, the, Whoa. <laughs> it's not he's not just putting on a fake front, man. That it's totally for real. So no, but I I agree. Losing that way. He looked whenever they kind of were warming up, he had on like a cutoff um, you know, dry fit t shirt and he had on like the shorts, tights and cleats. And I was like, "Ooh, look at those skinny ankles." See? I'm
2: telling, it's all about the
1: skinny ankles, man. Look at L- Look you at you. Can't you. Be able to move a little bit here. I like that.
0: But yeah, it was absolutely fantastic pro day for Creed. Uh, yeah. thought he showed the power and explosion. Was really really impressed with the 94 broad. That's great. The 33 inch vert was i i knew he was going to jump pretty well Mm -hmm. i didn't think it was going to be that well that was an awesome number for him the 29 reps on bench hopefully you didn't uh wager too much or not wager that's not right the word but donate too much uh per rep on that because you know what's interesting
1: at he he hit the i thought it was 28 the last one i didn't think he ever locked out i thought he was like here and they picked it up but He looked upset whenever he got up from that. I bet he was, I bet he had his eyes on 30 or 30 plus. Yeah. But he's still, I mean, God, that, I don't know. What do you think? Offensive line, I mean, if you're over like the the 16, 18 number, you're good. Anything over that's probably a bonus, right? Yeah. I I think
0: 20 is kind of the red flag number uh, for an interior guy, but. He did all those things so well, but just couldn't quite mm. get it done on the short shuttle and the three cone. What a shame, Ted! What a shame.
1: It looked good, and whenever he ran it, I was like, "Ooh, damn!" Uh, what's what, what was your number, Gabe? I was like, "You text
0: was, me. You text number? me." I was I was working out in Hawaii, watching it on my phone, and I got the text from you, and I looked at it, and I was like, "Oh, we're good here. We're good here." <laughs>
1: Yeah, he looked good, man. I, I was. He looked great. Running that three cone, he he looked really athletic. I was, I was shocked in in a good way. Uh, for everyone else, I thought it was, I thought it was pretty straightforward. I thought Ronnie Perkins, pretty straightforward. You know, he hit four seven one.
0: We nailed yeah, that, by the way.
1: Yeah, I think hitting that two hundred and fifty pound number way in. I think was big for him, and like I said on the broadcast, I'm sure he's got a belly full of water right now, which is fine. But um, to get over that 250 number and run 47, it would have been better to run a 46. Obviously, you always wish you're in that next kind of uh, lower group, but 471 is plenty. I, I thought everything that he hit on, he didn't test out of this world. It's going to be a film thing for him. He, you know?
0: tested, he tested about how we thought he would, right? Like, nothing eye-popping. I thought 25 on bench for him. By the way, I think pretty that's good. what you set the over-under at. So, yeah. well done, sir. That's a pretty
1: good number for him. He's, he's got some pretty long arms, so to hit 25. But remember, you know, Creed hit 29. I don't know what the arm measurements were, but I bet Ronnie was, like, right there close with him, maybe had longer arms. And he's 50 pounds lighter and was only three or four reps away. So that's a pretty good number for him.
0: Yeah, I I think when you look at – and a lot of times scouts are looking for the numbers to kind of match up, right, to to what they see on tape. And I I think Ronnie Perkins, his his testing numbers match up to what you see. He's not a guy that beats a lot of people with speed and things like that. He's got good quickness, good power – that type of stuff uh, can, can bull rush a guy. If he has to, we've all seen some of those clips. So I thought that he tested about how we expected. And then Trey Brown just couldn't get into the four threes, man. And everyone was like, what's wrong with him? Really? The kid ran four, four flat. That's pretty damn good. And we, we knew it would be uh, a disappointment if he didn't run four, uh, two something, but four, four, I, Oh, that's blazing.
1: I feel like that watch was not uh, – dude, that did not look like – that looked faster than a 4-4. I mean – His legs he, were
0: moving really fast. That's all I know. His
1: technique, his, his, his get-off. I mean, just – you could tell he's a track guy. It was technically really, really good. I'm shocked it's not faster than 4-4. Shock.
0: Yeah, 38-inch vert for Trey Brown. Pretty Pretty solid, right? Showing the explosiveness. Ramondre Stevenson, uh, I thought he checked all the boxes. Now, I was a little surprised. Maybe thought he'd hit more than 15 on the bench with the way that he looks, but maybe he's just not that strong. No, the
1: guy lost 15 pounds, right? Or so from what he was playing at. Weighed in at 230.
0: Yeah, but 463, that is very much in the acceptable range. I I think a lot of people – See running back, and they're like, Oh, the run they're supposed to run four four, you know. Not
1: everyone's Saquon Barkley.
0: Okay. And
1: four is still gonna that's a rare number at all position groups, right? I mean, so I don't know how many people are gonna test on pro day. Legit 4-4s are gonna be a very small percentage of the guys tested.
0: Yeah, and for Ramondre to run low four-six, once again, that's what his film shows, right? He's not a breakaway speed guy. And we've said it before, we'll keep saying it. Pro Day does not showcase what he does best. And that is run through contact, use his vision, you know, stay balanced. That's what he's really good at. So I think a lot of NFL teams saw that number and went, okay, check. Yep, we're good. Now we can just watch the tape. He's as fast as we thought he was.
1: I thought he looked like doing the. Movement drills, the 5'10", 5", the 3-cone, he was just so like relaxed and under control. It's a lot like the way that he runs. Like you mentioned, balanced, and it's hard to bring him down with just a, a big shot or, or a single player trying to deliver a blow to bring him down. It usually takes a group. He was just very calm, relaxed over his cleats at all times. There's a lot of guys that are really fast and test really good. But whenever you get them out on the football field and they're flying out to the sideline and they go to make a cut on a guy, they can't keep their cleats in, they go sliding around and it just doesn't translate. But whenever you're smooth, calm, efficient, it translates well to carrying the football. And I think that showed in his drill work.
0: Yeah, completely agree. And then Adrian Ely, Didn't think he was going to test well. He didn't test well. He's just not that athletic of a guy. He's a better football player than he is an athlete. Uh, A bench in 18 with that long of arms, it is what it is, but slow 40, slow shuttle, slow three cone. I think his performance may have some teams going back to the film and wondering if maybe he projects better at guard. I know he's 6'6", but there are some tall guards in the NFL. I, I just don't know. But I, I didn't think he was gonna test well and he didn't, Ted. So I I, I mean,
1: no surprise. Yeah. He's here's the thing, man. He's not the first beaten bow offensive lineman that didn't test well. That is just good at keeping guys from getting to the quarterback. And at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. I don't know if I've ever seen a, a slower forty than what Orlando Brown Jr. ran, or worse bench press for an offensive lineman than what Orlando Brown did at the combine. But you know what? His guy never gets to the quarterback, and in the grand scheme of things, that's all that matters. So he's gone I to th- two straight Pro Bowls. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the track record with beanbo guys is there, and if you're you're thinking about taking Adrian Ely or a guy from Tennessee, or a guy from Cal, or wherever it might be, you look at the track record of guys coached by Bill Biedenboe, and they're all throughout the NFL, they are all tough as hell, play really hard, are smart and technically sound, and I think that is something that people factor in.
0: Completely agree. Okay, we, we missed one other thing, right, with the way that we did things. Last week, and it inspired our call your shot. Nebraska. Nebraska. Nebraska, Nebraska, Nebraska. What in the hell was that? So, we put out the tweet. What was your reaction when you saw that Nebraska explored getting out of this year's game with OU? And, Teddy, before I read some of the responses... I'm curious, what was your reaction when all of this started leaking out, right? Brett McMurphy puts the tweet out there that they were exploring, trying to get out of the game. And I think we all were shocked. Like we knew things were bad at Nebraska, but damn.
1: That is a lesson in, in, in just about the, the worst thing you could ever do for public perception. Everyone in college football right now knows that Nebraska's program is down, knows that they've got some massive hills to climb and headwinds with with some of the things around their program and, and ever getting back to where they were previously. Everyone understands that. And for the most part, I feel like everyone is willing to give Scott Frost the benefit of the doubt and give that program a bunch of time to get things turned around. but. As soon as you go and do something like this, and show that you're actively trying to dodge someone, and then it gets out. Like, I wish we could have asked T. Rowe about this, because he's got a he's got a, a pretty funny story about this whole situation. But you can't go asking around about the ability uh, availability to play on that week. With other athletic directors around the country, and expect that nobody is going to send word back to Oklahoma that, hey, thought you guys might want to know that Nebraska's shopping this week to try and and play a game. When when were they going to tell Oklahoma? You know, if it didn't get out, if one of those ads hadn't have fired a, a line back to to whoever it was that, that brought this out publicly, when were they going to tell us, like, the week before, oh, hey, guys, we were supposed to come up there, forgot to tell you, we scheduled whoever. It's it's the worst thing you can ever do. The most interesting thing about it for me, because, like, honestly, I know it's it's cool to have Nebraska back, but they suck. It's the 50th anniversary of, um, you know, the game of the century. That's fine, but Nebraska sucks. It does nothing for our schedule, other than conjure up some good memories of whenever they used to be good and the in the uh, rivalry was a good one, but other than that, that game does nothing for our schedule. So I was kind of like, okay, great. Who else can we schedule that week? So I didn't really care. The best thing about it though is their fans. Oh my God, they, they are pissed.
0: They are so pissed, and I I talked to several guys that I kind of went through the draft process with, a couple guys I played with that played at Nebraska, they were furious, embarrassed. They're like, no, we're not going to duck OU. And I thought it, it was a great example of, I don't know if they just completely misdiagnosed the situation, like what their fans would want, But their fans want to watch them play OU. And I know that, you know, Bill Moose came out and said it it was about the economic impact of COVID, like, and all that stuff. And every college town has gone through that stuff. And I know Nebraska, they had no fans. They only had three home games. Like, I get it. But to try to duck OU and take away the one game that your fans are the most excited about. What on earth were they thinking? Like it makes, I'll
1: I'll tell you right now, Scott
0: Frost had to know, like you don't do that without talking to your football coach.
1: Scott Frost absolutely knew. And I'll just tell you right now that that press release was a lie. It's a blatant lie. I'll just, I'm just telling you right now. It's a lie. Okay. And here's the other thing. And, I can verify it's a lie, number one. Number two, some just a little bit of common sense will verify it, too. You don't trade the Oklahoma game next year for – who were they trying to play? A the Mac Mc- team or something? I don't yeah, know. You don't trade Oklahoma next year for – if you're talking about money, you don't trade Oklahoma next year for a Mac school this year. Because I promise if you back out on Oklahoma and not come down here, Oklahoma damn sure ain't going up to play you in Lincoln. There is no chance. So that statement That was the part I just couldn't
0: understand. I was like, wait, that but that would take away the game in Lincoln next year. Like this makes no sense. Like Mm -mm. as I was reading, I was like, what is this guy talking about?
1: It's, I mean, it's cover your ass is is what it was, but it's a lie. And it took them like eight hours to come up with the statement. And the statement they came up with was a lie. So amazing.
0: So remember when the Big Ten, and I will give Nebraska a little credit, right? They played a huge role in getting the Big Ten to play football last season. Mm -hmm. They did. They did. Scott Frost was very outspoken. Remember when he said that, I, I believe it was, was it Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan? Where did he say they'd go play? He's like, we'll play anywhere. Like, we'll go play in Uzbekistan. Well, apparently they'll go play anywhere except for Norman, Oklahoma.
1: They hmm. won't play Normanistan. They're not coming here to play. Amazing. And here's the thing, man. I bet there was a ton of Nebraska fans that were going to make their way down to this game just to, you know, people that haven't been down here in a long time, just to come see the game. Been a decade or however long it's been since Nebraska's played here. And the same thing for OU fans next year. How do you, as a fan, go down into that environment knowing what the other fan base is going to be saying about it? It's, you are exposing yourself to a massive amount of ridicule. Now, maybe Oklahoma fans won't do that, but if I'm a Nebraska fan, I'm feeling like they absolutely would. I'm not going down there, get laughed at the entire time we're there. No way I'm doing that.
0: Yeah. Okay. A couple of the responses we got from our listeners on Twitter. At BS Carter said, his reaction was, I know what they did to us in the 90s when we were down. I was there in the stadium for several of them. No backing out scurs. Come take the whooping you are owed.
1: (laughs) Oh, I love it. I thought, you know, just there's no way this would ever happen, but I think it would be the the greatest troll in the history of college football. If Lincoln would win the toss, receive the football, and take a safety. On the first play of the game to spot them two points. I think that would be the funniest thing ever. Straight disrespectful. My <laughs> goodness, Teddy, just, you're a we'll, savage. We'll just spot you a little bit of. I think, it, I mean, you need some I, I help,
0: guys. Here you go.
1: I don't know, man. I'm, I, I, it is. It's not like
0: they have horrible players either. No. Like they haven't recruited extremely well, but like, They've got some good athletes. Like they're not a terrible team.
1: They're not. If you go, if you go star, for star recruiting wise, I bet they are a more highly recruited team than Iowa State is. Oh, I and Iowa State plays damn good football. Yeah. Uh,
0: One other one we got was from at Cowboy Guitar Guy, who said I was shocked that they thought even they thought even ever left the conference room. That doesn't make sense. Let's see what he's trying to say here. I was shocked that they let that leave the conference room. I don't know.
1: I guess he's saying that whenever they sat down and talked about it, mulling over the idea about, hey, let's ditch the Oklahoma game, that that idea ever left the conference room.
0: I'm just an idiot, and I can't (laughs) read words. I was shocked that the thought even ever left the conference room. That's what he said. That makes perfect sense at cowboy guitar guy. I'm just a moron. I apologize. Uh, He says, he also adds, how could they be so dense as to expect they could sail that ship without overwhelming outrage from their own fan base. I refuse to believe donors would be happy with that idea either. If you're, if you're honestly
1: doing it, if you're honestly thinking about it and, and you feel like, Oh my God, we just can't survive this year without an extra home game. You call Joe C is the first person you call and say, here's the dilemma we have. Here's the financial issues that, that we're facing. What are our what are our options? Joe C may say, None, you're coming down here to play a football game. But that's that's the first place you go before you start searching around to try and find a way to ditch out of the game.
0: It's just embarrassing.
1: Or how about this?
0: You just add another game. If it's that bad, just play a game week
1: zero. There you go. Problem solved. There's your extra home game. Or how about this? Prepare your football team and go win the game and see how much money that makes you. If you go beat a top five football team on the road and can catapult your season. That's how you make money, not playing Mac teams. Let's joke. not be ridiculous.
0: Okay, let's get to our interview with Toby Rowland. But first, First Fidelity Bank is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma, tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs, checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all, whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone. Everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank also provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. First Fidelity Bank donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundation. Make your life easier and go bank at First Fidelity Bank. Visit ffb.com for more information. And don't forget to go buy some rock and roll tequila. Rock and roll tequila is the ultra premium tequila that hits all the right notes. It's won all kinds of awards for its superior tasting and smooth finish. To find a store that has it, visit rockandrolltequila.com or check out their Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. This stuff is fantastic. If you don't want to take our word for it, maybe you'll listen to this guy.
3: This is Coach Bob Stoops. When you're a college football coach, it's important to have an eye for talent. The same holds true when choosing your tequila. When I tried rock and roll, I liked it so much, I decided to become a partner in this Oklahoma-owned company. Crafted in the highlands of Jalisco, Mexico, the smooth taste of rock and roll's triple distilled platinum, our Añejo called Cristalino, and the incredible premium quality mango tequila are awesome. Our defiantly unique guitar-shaped bottles make it easy to find, and you'll love the ultra-premium quality and taste. No excuses. Make rock and roll your game day tequila. Tastefully rebellious? Start the party with rock and roll.
0: It is our pleasure to be joined by the voice of the Oklahoma Sooners, a man that is so well-traveled this time of year. It's just hard to keep tabs on him. He's doing basketball. He's doing baseball. He's doing everything. He's all over the place.
1: Toby Rowland. His favorite part of his spring schedule, the huddle show, uh, every Thursday right. at Rudy's. Really happy about that one. Sorry, I, for-
0: right. I forgot about that one. Guys, <laughs> my bad. Where?
1: How are you guys doing?
0: You You look like you're actually at home, which is rare for you this time of year. I uh,
3: am. Yeah. This is my house. Yeah, Did they I- recognize you, you Good when night? you walked in? The- <laughs> uh, it's not. I was in Fayetteville last night, and we leave tomorrow for Indianapolis. So... You picked a perfect night. I'm excited to be on with you guys. I am a, a a staunch listener to the number one sports podcast in the state of Oklahoma, so this is a thrill for me. I'm a little starstruck right now. So, I'm
0: just gonna I, I'm just gonna put it out there, T. Row, Teddy, and I have had so many discussions about when to have you on this podcast. Like there's been, it's been time after time. And Teddy's just like, ah, I don't know if it's the right time. And we're like, you know what? March madness coming up, spring football coming up. Baseball season is, you know, in the thick of it. We were like, this is the perfect time to have our man T-Row on it. The stars finally aligned.
3: I wasn't going to, I'm not, I wasn't going to complain about it, but how long have you been doing this podcast now?
0: This is the 95th episode, and if I'm being honest, I thought about just waiting for you to be the guest on the 100th, but I was like, you know what? Who knows how long OU's run is going to be bad. in March
1: Madness, so. Yeah. We, I'll it, take
0: it, 90. I'll take double di-
3: yeah. digits. That's
1: 90, we only had 94 people more important than you before we got you on. That's
3: all. <laughs> That's it. That's fair. That's fair. Hey, top 100 is not bad.
0: <laughs> That's true. Okay, I do want to start with the trip to Indianapolis because I'm really curious as you know, the voice of the basketball team, what is your process going to be like getting there, right? We've heard about the team getting there and having to test negative in order to practice and all those things. So what's it going to be like for you? Are you going to be in the bubble? Is there a separate bubble for the broadcasters? Like what's, what's that whole
3: deal? It's, Almost identical to football season. Uh, we are not in the bubble. We have not been in the bubble all year. Uh, my son is in the bubble, but uh, w- we can't be near the team. We can't stay with the team. We can't travel with the team. Um, and when we get to the arena, we're far away from the team. So, no, we're, we're driving uh, tomorrow. Kevin Henry and, and Trevor, my other son, and I are going to drive up to Indianapolis. We're staying at a different hotel And um, now the only kind of thing different than anything a fan would experience is we have to be in the arena like an hour and a half before tip, which we would be anyway. But there's a sanitation process that takes place to where if you're not in the arena at a certain point, they kick everybody out and you don't get back in and you can't do your pregame show and stuff. But other than that, um, it's it's basically just like a fan is only we got to go sit in a different place to call the game where we're socially distanced from the fans and and other broadcasters, but it's going to be weird in a lot of ways. I mean, that's one not traveling and staying with the team and getting to interview them in person and everything is, is weird, but the games themselves, you guys, I'm sure have been to the NCAA tournament. Normally there's four games in one day in one spot. And it's awesome. You know, you go at 11 o'clock in the morning and there's back back to back to back to back basketball until midnight. That's not the case. OU's playing in Lucas Oil Stadium on Saturday, and there are two courts in the football stadium. There's a north court and a south court with a big curtain down the middle. And the OU game is the only game on the north court all day. It's the only game. There's two games on the south court. There's one before OU and there's one after OU. But there's only three games all day in Lucas Oil Stadium. And they're spacing them way out, it's like five hours between games, so they they get everybody out of the arena, they disinfect the whole arena, and they bring everybody back in. So it's you know, and you only get a ticket to one game at a time instead of a session. Or in the past, you could get an all-day pass. So from that aspect, I don't know if it's as as fan friendly. However, because everything is in Indianapolis, if you want to, you can hop, you can arena hop. You know, you could pick out a game at 11 in the morning at Hinkle Fieldhouse, then go to a four o'clock game at uh, where the Pacers play and, you know, go to the Lucas oil at night, which that's kind of cool. So you can, uh, you can jump around and pick your favorite teams, I guess.
1: Well, the big news today, uh, Lon Kruger came on, I don't know what, two three o'clock and Davion Harmon has tested positive and isn't going to be with the team in Indianapolis. Now, It's obviously bad for the basketball team. They need all the help they can get right now. But gosh, for him personally, I mean, you've gone through a a full year of crap just to get to this point. You know, that's you've taken all those tests and been separated from friends and family just so you have the opportunity to play in the NCAA tournament. And uh, to see that happen to him, just painful. But, you know, what, what, is the, what does that do to the team, you know, psychologically? What does it do to them on the court against a Missouri team that most people think is pretty even matchup?
3: Yeah, I mean, I'm just sick for Davion. You grow up playing this sport and you watch March Madness and one shining moment and uh, the bracket reveal and you dream of someday being a part of that. And last year, he's a freshman, and Oklahoma closes the season impressively, and they're going to the tournament, and then all of a sudden, everything gets canceled, so he doesn't get to do it. And this year, he's having a great year, and he's second-leading scorer on this team, and he's he's there. I mean, that's the – and that's even worse, I think. If he if he had tested positive back here and been left home, that would have stunk. Really. It would have stunk, but he's there in a hotel room in Indianapolis and can't participate you can't he can't get out of his room and so to be in the middle of it and not be able to do it when it's been your participate when it's been your dream your whole life it's just got to be agonizing man you can't even have you know your family there to hug on you and tell you it's going to be you're just locked in your room by yourself watching all this so i feel terrible for Dave Young. he's having such a great year and he's he's important i mean this it hurts I mean, he has been really good the last, well, all season, but especially the last month or so. I think he has figured out his spots on the floor, you know, where he can help the team. That little pull-up 17-footer just below the arc, the drive down the lane from left and right. He's such a good finisher around the rim now. Last year he struggled finishing around the rim, getting to the free throw line, shooting a great, eight, three point percentage the last month or so. So um, he's important his defense. I mean, he's an excellent defender. It's a big loss. I don't think it is a debilitating loss because we have seen this team go through this already this year with their best players and be okay. You know, they, they played okay. They played well with Brady out of the lineup. They played well and won big games without Austin Reeves, in the lineup so the fact that they've been through this before they have a positive experience when one of their guys is out um you know i i it's it's not good but i don't necessarily think it's a death knell for them uh they've done lon's done a really good job when they've gone through this of including these guys and you guys have probably seen the video of after they won they've got austin or Brett brady on the orlandis on the phone and they're all jumping up and down with them and so they're going to include Davion as much as possible remotely and make him feel a part of it. Um, and it it's going to hurt from an X's and O's standpoint. But Alondis Williams, I think, is the guy that's going to have to step up and be a bigger contributor. You know, He's probably going to be inserted into the lineup. He needs to score. He needs to be in double figures. He needs to be a big impact on both ends of the floor. So the goal
0: is usually – be playing your best basketball when the tournament rolls around, right? That's that's what you want. You want to be playing your best basketball when the NCAA tournament rolls around. That does not appear to be the case with the Sooners right now. And you tack the Davion Harmon loss on top of all of that. They, they lost five out of their list last six with their only win coming against Iowa State in what was an unfortunately competitive game. Tiro, you you've watched this team all season long. In, in your opinion, what has gone wrong for them the last couple of weeks heading into the tournament?
3: I mean, it's a fair question. Um, I, I don't want to oversimplify it, but every game they played, well, I mean, we actually looked it up. The 17 conference games they played in the regular season, and if you throw in Alabama in the SEC Challenge game, those 18 games, three would fall into the category of a, of a blowout, one way or the other. The other 15 were all tight. I mean, they were undecided at the last media timeout. One-point game, one point game, three-point game, tied, whatever the case may be. And it, I mean, you watch this team this year. It always came to the final minute always win or lose. It was a dramatic year. I mean, it was stressful because they just kept playing close games. Everybody in the big 12 did this year. And when they were, when they were going so great in January and knocking off top 10 teams, right. And left. OU was making the big plays in the big moments. You know, Elijah hit big shot against Alabama. Moja Gibson had the big three point play to, to beat Kansas in Norman. Uh, Brady hit big shots. Uh, Austin hit big shots. Uh, Davion hit big shots, and it was like, all right, who's going to win it for us tonight? There was this feeling with this team, this positive mojo that, I mean, we're going to win. It's there's two minutes to go, and we're and we're tied. We're going to win. It's going to be exciting to see how it's going to happen tonight. That's how they felt. The opposites going on right now. You know, it's the same game till the two minute point. They're playing fine. They're, they're playing wet. They played well against Texas in both Oklahoma state games to a certain point. It's tied with two minutes to go. But the feeling is, uh, how are we going to lose it? You know, how's it going to get away tonight? Or who on the other team is going to hit the big shot? And I hate to say it, but it started with dadgum Mike McGurl at Kansas State. Mike, OU's winning that game. Where
0: They're did up, that come from? Why did he start night, hitting those threes?
3: Night two for him. It was. Night, he hits a fadeaway three in the corner, falling out of bounds, and got red hot. OU's up six with two minutes to go in that game, and lost. Then they got both Oklahoma State games. Cade Cunningham, overtime of the first game, final two minutes in the other. He hits the big shots. Texas, OU played great against Texas. Courtney Ramey gets hot late and Matt Coleman hadn't hit a shot all night and hits one against him with 45 seconds to go so is that bad luck do you win some lose some yeah maybe but I mean you guys know more than anything I think when you're going well there's just a belief that something positive is about to happen and when you're not going well there's a belief that something negative is about to happen And so I think that that's what they've been in, unfortunately, is, man, who's going to beat us tonight? Who's going to throw in a 25-footer fadeaway with the shot clock buzzer 10 seconds left? So there's a little bit of a snake bit feeling. I mean, the question is, can you get out of it? You know, Um, it's happened before with teams who have seemed dead in the water when they've gone into the tournament and gotten hot and made a special run. It's not unheard of but it's hard to do. And I think what you really got to do is you got to turn it around and win one of those in the first round where you're the team that makes the shot and then maybe that belief comes back again. The good news for them is Missouri's the exact same team. Exact same team with one exception. They also, at one point this year, were mowing down teams, including Alabama, were headed to the top 10, looked like a top four seed, and the end of the season, lost six of their last eight, uh, won a game, lost a game in the SEC tournament. And Missouri fans are unhappy right now. They're like, man, we've fallen apart. So they don't have any mojo coming in either. I mean, this both of these teams have stumbled into the tournament. And, you know, one of them is going to have to win it. You know, somebody's going to have to hit the big shot at the big moment, and that team might find itself again. Because we know OU can play, not just play with, they can beat High-caliber opponents. They've done it. In, in the teams that are in this event that have very high seeds, they beat them this year. We know it's there for them if they can just find their mojo again.
1: So I have I stumbled upon an interesting phenomenon. Uh, whenever I was younger, I found and I didn't realize this until later. I had by far the best practices of my career whenever i was nursing a massive hangover okay <laughs> so the thing i i the only thing i could think of later on as to why that was the case is because you show up you're feeling god awful your head is pounding you're sick to your stomach you just you feel horrible but no one can really no one really knows so the whole time you're trying to hide it and you're trying to act like everything's fine and you go out to practice. And even though you feel miserable, you're so focused on being locked in so nobody can can find out or figure out that there's something wrong with you that you end up having a great two and a half hour practice.
3: I can't wait to hear where this is going. So Neither can I.
1: The, the reason I'm saying that is because some of the best basketball OU's played this year has been when they're missing someone and is, is I guess this is maybe me trying to find a way to look at the Davion Harmon thing as a positive. Is that because everyone goes into it knowing that there's this element that's gone and I've got to elevate what I do and not, not, anything out of the ordinary but I've got to be so much more dialed in I can't make any of the same mistakes I can't turn the ball over I can't have any selfish shots out there we got to be efficient and everyone is just just locked in and dialed in a little bit more because they're missing someone
3: I mean that's a it's a great point Ted it's a psychological question and I don't know. It Wait. Is a fact. So
0: which players are going to be hungover?
1: <laughs> yeah, that, all of them. <laughs> this is a way of saying and feed those guys some. No, I, I, I
3: don't. I, don't it, I mean, it's a fact that they've played well when guys are out of the lineup this year, and I think that you know part of that is probably exactly what you said, which is um, we have to be better collectively because we're missing a. You know, we had our arm cut off, so all of our other senses have to step to the forefront. Um, I think you become a little more team-centric when something like that happens because you're playing to some extent for a little higher cause. Hey, let's go out there and win it for Dave you know, Let's go out there and win it for Austin or whatever. It gives you a, an even greater cause and, other than just winning an NCAA tournament game. So psychologically, and that's kind of what we're talking about is what's wrong with this team. It's not X's and O's, it's between the years. So, maybe this is the thing between the ears that kind of, you know, jogs him back to the right place. Um, But his talent and what he brings to the floor from a scoring standpoint is undeniable. So, somebody, I mean, that's just scary that you don't have that. You're you're not as deep. If somebody gets in foul trouble, um, it's another guy who could get hot for you that you just don't have. So, it's not good that he's missing, but you make a great point. This year, when when they have been missing guys, they have kind of collectively risen. Everybody else has risen up and played above themselves, and you know maybe that'll happen.
0: Yeah, well, uh, I guess that's what we're hoping for yeah. right now. T. Row, I've seen the way that you prepare for a football game, so I know that you've already you know dove into Missouri. So, kind of, you you mentioned their struggles at the end of the year, but what's kind of the scouting report on Missouri? I know they're they're led by a couple veteran guards, right? Drew Smith and Xavier Penson. Uh, Jeremiah Tillman seems like a guy in the front court that could be a problem for Oklahoma. But what have you seen uh, after you've dug into Missouri?
3: A fascinating matchup. Um, they are identical in a lot of ways, especially in the backcourt. They've got Several really good defenders. Little guys, not overly big, kind of like Oklahoma has. Pinson can really go. Uh, he reminds me of Emoja Gibson, only he's better off the dribble than Gibson is. Not as good of a three-point shooter, but he can. he's deadly. Um, Drew Smith, a little bit bigger guard, six foot three, can get into the lane, physical, Elijah Harkless-esque. Better offensive game than Elijah, not as good defensively. The difference is there's two things different. They're they're alike in a lot of ways. There's two things that are different. One is Oklahoma's got the best playmaker in this game in Austin Reeves. And if it comes down to a late game situation of everybody on the court, he's the one you want the ball in the hands of the most. The other thing is the five position is drastically different. Everything on the court is identical except the bigs. And they are opposites. Jeremiah Tillman is six foot 10, wide body, doesn't want to get more than five feet away from the rim. He's got moves. He's not just a guy that you throw an alley hoop to, or he gets an offensive rebound. They'll toss it to him in the post. And he's got moves. He's good, but he's not going to come out and hit a 15 foot jumper against you or anything like that. He's going to own the lane on both ends of the court, which The problem for Brady, you know, I mean, when he's gone up against legit fives this year, he takes a beating Uh, McCormick at Kansas. He played pretty good about there against Derek Culver. But I mean, when Brady comes out of that game, he's bloodied and battered. So this is not a good defensive matchup for Brady. On the other hand, there's another end of the court and Tillman is not a great defender. He doesn't like to come out from the basket. And Brady is going to bring him out to the perimeter. And Oklahoma is going to try to take advantage of him by getting him pick and rolls where he ends up either guarding Austin Reeves or one of the guards. And they're going to isolate him and try to take him or Brady's going to pull him out and shoot shots are over him. And so sooner or later, I think somebody's going to have to blink in this coaching matchup. It's very similar to the Kansas game this year. The Kansas game in Norman, if you remember, whenever Brady was on the floor, Bill Self took McCormick out of the game. And he didn't want McCormick trying to guard Brady Manick. And so Lon Kruger said, fine, I'm fine with you having David McCormick on the bench. I'm not putting Kirk West back in. We're riding with Brady the rest of the way. I don't, you know, in this, I don't know if Brady can guard. Tillman I they might have to go Queth here but if Brady's having a lot of luck I don't know that Tillman can guard Brady so Conzo Martin might have to get Tillman out of the game and get a, a you know a, a better defensive matchup. So the five position is going to be fascinating. The other thing with Tillman is he gets in foul trouble a lot. So I think OU will try to especially early get him in those ISOs with Elijah Harkless or with Austin Reeves and try to take him off the dribble and see if they can get him in some early foul trouble. Because if he's allowed to play his game right around the basket, he's Derek Culver plus two inches. I mean, he's a, he's a lot of guy down there.
1: This is the last, last one basketball-wise for me. You, you hear often, and it's more about the Final Four, but these massive venues uh, can be hard to play basketball in. And Oklahoma, you know, obviously drew the the massive venue up there. It, is that real? Do you buy into that? And the way these two teams are, we can be a volume three pointer team. Is do you think that plays a factor in our favor against
3: us, one way or the other? I, it is real. It's not as big of a deal as it used to be. Uh, I've shot in a dome before. And the first time I shot a three-pointer in the dome, it felt like a free throw. And I airballed it. And it's there, the depth perception's crazy. I mean, it just it messes with you because the stands are 200 feet away and and usually they're right behind the basket. So your your practice day and your shoot around and everything are vitally important that you get used to that court because it's I mean it's a real deal. But these guys play a lot of games now in NBA arenas they're not football stadiums, but the bigger arenas than just your on-campus arena. So they're a little more used to it than, you know, we were 20 years ago or so, but, and the other thing is the way they have built the dome or the way they've divided it, the the, Lucas Oil stadium, where they've got two courts. uh, It's a little less, I mean, they got the, the curtain there. So it's a little more compact than when they just put the floor right in the middle of the whole football stadium. But it's going to be important for them to get out and get some shots up. Um, it's hard to be hot. Now, Villanova did it against yeah. us in Houston, That's but it's tough. hard to be hot in a football season. We stadium. do
0: not you, speak of that game. <laughs>
3: yeah, I know. You see a lot of teams shoot, you know, the, the Butler National Championship game is the famous one. Nobody could hit anything. Uh, you see a lot of poor shooting percentages. So, uh, does it help hurt OU? No, nah, I, I think it's a wash in this game. Because both teams, again, shoot the three about the same amount. Both teams have guards that can take you off the dribble. Missouri has had a weakness this year for trying to guard guards that can take you off the dribble. And Oklahoma does that very well. I mean, they get into the paint and create. So in this game, I don't know that it favors one team or another. However, if they get put in Lucas Oil Stadium for the second game, I think that would be trouble because if they're going to beat a Gonzaga, they're going to have to have a monstrous three point shooting game. Um, but I don't think they'll be in Lucas Oil Stadium if they win this one. I mean, that's one of the other things they're doing different this year is you don't just stay at a venue for your first two games. They're moving everybody around intentionally. So I think if OU is fortunate enough to win Saturday night, they'll probably be, you know, Hinklefield House or Bloomington or somewhere else on Monday.
0: Okay, I'll let I'll let Teddy transition us to spring football, but I I do just have a broadcasting question for you first. So you know, from players and coaches, we always hear, "Hey, take it one game at a time. Take it one game at a time." But as a broadcaster, uh, as the voice of the team, you want them to play against Gonzaga, right? Like, it, is it one of those things where, you're like, hey, I know I'm supposed to be focused on this game, but I'm really hoping. I get to call a game where they're playing the number one team in the country, right? I, I assume that's, that's how you feel about it. Is, is that accurate? Uh Oh, he's moving charts. I've
3: already already got my Gonzaga spotter board printed out. Wow. True professional. Just got to have it in case they play him. I mean, you know, that's the case with, with everybody. And sure. I want them. I was excited when I saw the draw. Now I don't think it's the easiest draw. I mean, it's not. It's tough. It's. I don't think the committee did them any favors, and they did it to themselves. So it's a tough draw. But, I mean, who doesn't want to play the best, right? I mean, it, we know when when we have – we get excited when OU gets Alabama in the national semifinal. Gabe, you're the one who's always like, man, if you're scared to be in it, then go do something else. We Get want a dog. Shot at, yeah, you want <laughs> a shot at the best. And it would be one thing, I think, if we haven't seen this team play so exceptionally this year, we've seen it. I mean, the way they played against Alabama and when they were just burying top 10 teams, we know they can be electric at times. So haven't seen it in a while, but we know it's in there and yeah, it'd be fun. This draw reminds me in a lot of ways of two years ago. It's almost identical to uh, when we were in Columbia, South Carolina, you opened an eight, nine game with a, middle tier SEC team Ole Miss and then if you won that you got the tourney favorite in Virginia well same thing here you got a middle tier SEC team and if you beat them you get the you get the tourney favorite in Gonzaga so uh yeah I want them to be in that game that'd be fun I don't know if they can beat them or not but it would be fun to give it a shot and if they do and you get to be on the mic for history you know that'd be fun that'd be cool
1: no, well, it will be cool. You can't win it if you don't play it. So you got to get there and, and see what happens. Now I know, with all the free time that you've got this time of the year, you're all you're already deep into position battles when it comes to Oklahoma football. Uh, so you've just been sorting through those and getting your depth chart uh, put together. But I'll tell you what's interesting about this this situation this spring is how many re- returners that we've got. There's so many returning players from a year ago. Obviously, the the seniors get another year, and it's just just because of that. But it's the first time that in a long time that we've been set at quarterback with a returning starter. Usually, that's what spring has been over the last however many years is we get a chance to see what our new quarterback looks like. We don't have that this year, so – what are we supposed to be interested in this spring, Toby? What's what's going to be interesting in the spring game this year?
3: Um, that's a really good question. <laughs> I guess the fact that we're having one. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I don't think we have a concert. I haven't heard anything about a concert. So I just think the fact that we get to play football in the spring is going to be a novelty for everyone. Um, you bring up a good point. Now, honestly, that's why – that's what I rely on you guys for. Okay. Uh, I, when, when I am in basketball season, I'm immersed in basketball season. And when I'm in baseball season, I'm immersed in baseball season. And this spring game, when it pops up every April, everybody else gets really excited about it. And I'm, all I can think about is pitching matchups and bullpen rest and all that kind of stuff. And now i got to like, raise my head up and go, they need you over at the football stadium. I'm like, oh, boy. And then I show up at the football stadium. I'm like, Teddy, Gabe, what's going on? I don't know anything about what's going on in the spring. I haven't paid a lick of it. Well, not very little attention. So uh, the spring game is not my favorite game to call. I enjoy it because it's football. But it's hard because, guys, nobody really knows how the scoring system's going to work uh nobody really knows who's on which team till like the night before and then they're trading teams in the middle of the game one guy that started on the white teams on the red team it's confusing uh they they'll stop with like two minutes left and say hey we're done referees will pick up flags for a guy that is uh ocd like me it drives me bananas the spring game drives me bananas because there's no structure there's not enough structure to it you know But from a position battle standpoint, I do like to see the new guys. If there's a quarterback battle, great. But I want to see what the new guys look like. I want to see what the Tennessee transfers look like, what the highly heralded freshmen that are here early look like in a uniform. So that's the thing I get excited about for a spring game. And I think Sooner fans are probably a lot the same way. And they don't really need a reason to be excited and come watch some football. They'll have a good time.
0: Yeah. I'm sure uh, reaching that 25% capacity uh, won't be an issue for the spring game. Okay. I'll give you my p- two position battles to watch on offense. Cause Teddy's the defense guy. I'm the offense guy. This is how this thing works. So I'm looking at offensive tackle, right? Everyone just assumes that Wanya Morris is going to walk in and be the starter. And I-, I think he's probably the most talented guy of the group, but If I know one thing about Bill Bedenboe, he's not going to hand that kid anything. I mean, he's going to have to earn it. We'll see. I'm interested to see what Anton Harrison's doing. Is he going to be playing a little left, a little right? Because it seems like he would be comfortable going back to the right, what he played in high school. We'll see how that works out. Those are the two guys we're assuming will come out of spring ball as the starters. But then there's all reliable. Eric Switzer is somehow still, still there guys. Really? <laughs> yeah.
1: Will yeah. he be healthy this season? That's he's the question. He's still there.
0: How about that? You got Wilkins, you got, so I do think that that battle is going to be a little more spirited maybe than some people think it is going to be because that's just how Bill does it. I mean, he's going to have those guys really trying to get each other better. And then I think maybe the most, interesting position battle of all of them is running back. Kennedy Brooks is back there. There's no doubt, but remember last year when he opted out and we were like, you know what? There's some pretty talented guys behind him. Now, could they have used Kennedy Brooks last year? Of course they could have, but you got Eric gray coming in from Tennessee. You you got Seth McGowan a year older with another year of strength and conditioning. You still got Marcus majors. Like, I I think that may be the best position battle on the entire team. I can't wait to see how that one shakes out, boys.
3: And Seth McGowan and Marcus Major look great in the Cotton Bowl. You know, I I think everybody was kind of lukewarm on them going into that Florida game, and both of them look great in that game. So everybody's excited about them now. I agree. That'll be fun.
1: I'm so excited defensively about the depth. It's like we went from – what are we ever going to do at defensive line to how are we going to be able to play all these guys just like in an instant? And that's been fun to watch. I I honestly think that, you know, one of the best players on the team last year on the defensive line or um, defensive front, I guess, rush backer Benito. I think he's going to have his hands full staying on the field. I think the guys behind him are are great, and Grinch and Company they get them reps. They don't they don't just only play seniors or starters. They rotate guys through, and um, Brendan Walker is outstanding. And I'm drawing a blank on the freshman um, uh, from East Texas Smith. Really? Yes, Clayton Smith. I think he's going to be a beast. So uh, defense and defensive line, even though. It's, it kind of reminds me of linebacker. We lost Kenneth Murray, who was our best player on the defense. And I'm like, I think our defense is going to be better, and I think we're going to be better at linebacker. We lost our best defensive lineman in Ronnie Perkins, and I think we're going to be better at defensive line. Who's going to be Nickel? Cradell, I think, is who's going to start there. He's, he's got the – when I say start, I mean he's going to have the, the – the job to start off in spring and we'll see if he
3: can yeah. keep it. Who's going to be, who's going to be uh, the, the guy that takes up all the Ronnie Perkins sack numbers. Who's going to be the, the leading sack total guy at the end of the year.
1: I, someone's going to have to uh, explain to me why it's not going to be Isaiah Thomas. I mean, he, really he's the guy that gets, He gets talked about the least, but the numbers are all there. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. It's so. Gabe. It's been so. Uh, it's been wa- it's been fun to watch the uh, metamorphosis of Ted Lehman as a color analyst from the depths of the Texas Tech game in Lubbock in 2016 to now. It's like a caterpillar finding its wings and blooming forth. I mean, he's so he was so miserable back then. He was trying to hide it. He was trying not to let it bleed through onto the broadcast but he would just like put his head down. You could tell he was so miserable. And now Oklahoma's playing great defense. They got more depth than they have in a long time. They're getting after the quarterback. He's a kid in a candy store now. Proud
1: moment, man. Proud moment. He
3: yeah.
0: he was in the depths of his personal hell a couple <laughs> of years ago. And now he is li- living his best life. D-ro. He's over right. here smiling. He's loving it. Okay, before before I let you go, Sherry Cole retiring. I wanted to get your thoughts on it because twenty-five seasons. I'm sure you've you've had many conversations with Coach Cole. Uh, led the program to the NCAA tournament what, nineteen times, three Final Fours. You know, six regular season Big Twelve championships. Just kind of transformed that program. Uh, just how much is how much did she mean to Oklahoma?
3: Um, you worded that well because I think she transcended just the University of Oklahoma and just that basketball program. Obviously she saved it. She saved the basketball program and uh, the success she had as a coach is doc, It's there in black and white. It's documented the two final fours, the stars that, that played for her. Uh, it was, it was in the dumpster until she took it over and she took it to the highest Heights and she's a hall of famer for what she did on the court. However, you know, my, I think where I will remember her the most is summer caravans, uh, banquets, speaking engagements. She's an, she's the best communicator, one of the best communicators I've ever seen. You guys have been in situations with her before.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: She, you just hand her the mic and she preaches. And she'll go 30, 40, 45 minutes. She's inspirational. She's, she's a leader in this state among women. Uh, among everybody but especially among women and she is such a great representative of the University of Oklahoma has been will continue to be and um, a tremendous teacher too I'm very excited to see what she does going forward because she loves to teach I could see her maybe just having a class on the side that she teaches at the University of Oklahoma maybe she just wants to retire and be with that grandbaby but she could be a star now if she wanted to go into broadcasting.
0: Oh my God. That's what I've been thinking. She's got to yep. get it. the ESPN has got to get her as quick as they can. Right.
3: If she wanted to do that and would go be like they in studio, uh, equivalent of Seth Greenberg or whatever, uh, she would be their number one analyst. And honestly, if, if ESPN wanted to get really forward thinking, I'd put her on as a men's analyst too, because, she watches men's basketball and we talk about it a lot and she can break it down and she knows everything about it. So uh, she's not limited to just a women's basketball analyst. I don't know if she has any desire to do that or not, but if she does, you know, we could, Bob could be out in Los Angeles doing the Fox thing and she could be up in uh, Connecticut doing, uh, doing the uh, college basketball thing for ESPN. So She's young, just like Bob was when he decided to retire, and, and she's got a lot of options in front of her. But unbelievable career, a lasting impact that will not be forgotten on this university, and certainly on, on Oklahoma basketball. He is
0: hey, – oh, oh no! no, no oh, I was going to say,
3: T-Row,
1: did we find something last night with this baseball team? Knocking off the number one team in the country. How much fun was that? That was an awesome game. Even I watched it. And I never watched baseball.
2: This team,
1: I don't know how you go from having the best pitching I've seen in a long time at the university in one year to the best bats I've seen at the university in a long time. In a year's time, they are red hot.
3: I I, Don't give up on them. I know there are a lot of people who were – disappointed everyone who was disappointed with how the season started and the way they were pitching but you're right teddy this is the best hitting team that we've had in a decade maybe since 2010 2011 and they've got a a fantastic back of the bullpen you saw roughcorn last night who is electric godman carson carter jason roughcorn back of that bullpen is lights out so what are they missing the starting pitching Uh, Braden Carmichael was great last night, but the starting pitching has been shaky, but the good news is you've got the, you've got the pitching guru as your head coach. You know, it's like what Lincoln Riley is the quarterbacks skip Johnson is the pitchers. That's why major league pitchers come to Norman from all over the United States and say, Hey, skip fix me help. Clayton Kershaw comes and says, Hey, help me. So if anybody can get them straight, we got the guy that can get them straight. And I think that uh, maybe that was a sign of things to come last night with Braden Carmichael's start. And that's the kind of win that really just can, you know, trampoline a season in the right direction. If you guys ever have a chance to go watch a baseball game in Fayetteville, uh, you should. It's It was only half full last night, and it's, it's a crazy atmosphere. They're whooping pig suey and they're wearing pigs on their heads they're uh they're booing every ball that's called on their pitcher there it's nuts uh but it was a lot I of could fun hear being. the guy
1: below you uh yeah. must have been right in front of your mic <laughs> every, every ball he was screaming at the up
3: <laughs> they are zany there but it's great I mean that's the kind of environment you you love to be in and uh, fantastic win for OU baseball
0: Look at us doing baseball talk. That's a first. Is that a first? That is definitely. Look at yay. A revolutionary.
3: A trailblazer. Four guys talking you are. baseball. It only took uh, 95 podcasts, but we got a little <laughs> baseball talk in there.
0: <laughs> only only when Toby Rowland joins us. T-Row, I know you're busy man, so really appreciate you taking the time to join us. Thank you.
1: My pleasure. See you guys. You're the
0: man. Toby Rowland's a busy man. Busy, busy man, Ted.
1: Just drove back from Fayetteville last night after a great baseball game, heading out to Indianapolis tomorrow. Uh, Has been all over the place in between. Big 12 Conference Championship, basketball. Spring is crazy for T-Row, man. So the fact that he was able to find some time to jump on with us was awesome.
0: Yeah, he's the best. Okay, let's move on to FGTB. But first, do you own a business? If you do, you need Insurica in your life. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best-in-class, connect with Insurica at insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com, and tell them we sent you, and go spend money at Riverwind. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's... uh, so I said I wasn't going to be too loud on this episode. That may have got some <laughs> of our people with uh, uh, that had a long St. Patty's Day. Riverwind. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience. There are temperature screenings at all entrances and masks are required for all patrons and employees because your safety is Riverwind's number one priority. There are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful, award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including Blackjack, Blackjack Match, Roulette, and Craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And for March's Kitchen Cashin, all wildcard members that earned 500 points on their wildcard playing AGS machines will win a Continental Stand Mixer. Nice. If you need help finding your way, just visit riverwind.com. Riverwind Casino, simply the one. Okay, FGTB, football guys talking basketball. We covered OU's NCAA tournament situation with our man T. Rowe. Ted wanted to take a look at Oklahoma State's really quickly. They end up being a four seed, which confused a lot of people, including myself, uh, with how they finished conference play, the run they had there in the Big 12 tournament. Uh, I think they were at a disadvantage against Texas in the Big 12 tournament final because – they had to play a semifinal and Texas didn't. Yeah, that's an advantage in a sport yeah. that, you know, where you use your body. So if you're more tired, disadvantage. But they get Liberty in the first round, uh, should be able to take care of that game. But I was looking at their draw and watch out for that second round matchup against Tennessee, because when you dive a little deeper into Tennessee, Obviously, they they played some good teams there in the SEC, but they are one of the best defensive teams in the country. Uh, Jaden Springer, Keon Johnson, uh, both really talented freshmen for the Vols. That could be kind of a bad matchup for Oklahoma State because Tennessee actually does have a couple guys that have length, that are physical, that I think can take turns guarding Cade Cunningham. So I've got my eye on that second-round matchup for the Cowboys.
1: Yeah, I I think it could be, could be a tough one. Um, I think this time of year in my very limited basketball knowledge, I think being hot is the most important thing and Oklahoma state is one of, if not the hottest team in the country right now. Um, they kind of were up and down throughout the season, and they closed out strong. Took that into the conference uh, tournament game or conference tournament and played really well, were fantastic, looked great against Baylor. That was a great game. And I agree, had everything been on the level against Texas, I think they would have won that game. So I think Oklahoma State enters the tournament with an incredible amount of confidence. They're getting really good play from multiple guys. I think Oklahoma State's an elite 8 team at least. I like it. I hate I like, saying I, it,
0: but I They're fun to watch. I love I do not hide that I am a big Mike Boynton fan. I think he's fantastic. I love the way he approaches the job. Uh, I love the things he says publicly. I love the behind-the-scenes stuff that they put out. And Kate Cunningham is extremely fun to watch. I think Avery Anderson is the key for them. A lot of people think Isaac Likely coming back may be the key. I think it's Avery Anderson. When he has scored in the last three, four weeks of the season – They've been a very, very difficult team to beat. If he's scoring 15, 20, right. He they went to West Virginia without Cunningham. And I think he had 31 or something in, in that win on the road. So I think Avery Anderson, he he's also their stopper on defense. Now they he Boynton jumps into a lot of zone that all that that stuff. But Avery Anderson, I think, is the key. I, I really do. I know everyone's looking at Cade Cunningham. A lot of people looking at Likely, but my eyes are on Avery Anderson. I think if he plays really well, that you're right, Ted. I think they are an elite elite eight team.
1: Yeah. I, that's, I've that's i got that matchup with Houston in the elite eight, and I, I know Houston is a grinded I think Oklahoma out. State
0: is a better team than Houston. I've seen Houston I, play a couple times. I like Oklahoma yeah. State better.
1: I do too. I just, I'm not sure necessarily what, um, like, what that matchup, how that matchup would play out. I, I think Oklahoma State's a better team, but sometimes you see a team like that that's really good defensively. It's kind of a grind each possession out. Oklahoma State likes to get up, run. But I agree with you. Uh, you know, Kate Cunningham. He's the, I think he's, he's the best player that I've seen this year. There's some other really good guys, and um, everyone has their opinion on that. But I think he is most dangerous. He he can hit some great shots because he's got great length. Uh, he hit some of those step-back threes and create some of those, those nice jumpers. But Oklahoma State, in my opinion, is at their best when he's taking people off the dribble and – force and help defenders, and they cut backdoor on stuff because he's really good passer. And whenever people start to cut off of his drives, they get easy layups, easy dunks, and that turns into big – Like uh, they turn that around into momentum on the defensive end. I think that's when they're most dangerous. Not necessarily their shot-making, but whenever Cade Cunningham starts beating people on the bounce and getting into the paint – and he's able to dish to those cutters.
0: I'm interested to see how Cade Cunningham reacts to being in the tournament, right? Because essentially all season, he has been a guy that has made the right basketball play, right? Mm -hmm. If he's getting doubled, he passes out of it. He hits the open man. He'll pass up a shot to get a guy a better shot. Like, he is an unselfish player, but when the tournament rolls around and you know that everybody's watching – does he start making some different decisions because of the magnitude of the moment? I don't know. I don't anticipate that happen. I think he's going to keep playing his game. He's going to keep playing unselfish basketball and then trying to take over games late. That That's pretty much been his formula. But some guys react weird in big situations. He doesn't seem like he'd be one of those guys, Ted, but it's definitely going to be interesting to see how he approaches it.
1: The only thing... I really have to go off of is right after he had a career night on the road against Oklahoma in a rivalry game two days later at home on big Monday, which is a huge stage. He hardly took a shot. He only took a shot until deep into the second half. It seemed like, and was dishing was just playing a role. Then obviously as the game, uh, you know, dwindled down he became uh, much more of a factor but was a, was a total he wasn't just a bystander but he was doing what you're talking about making the right basketball play so that's really the only thing that I have to go off of is that the most important thing is when in advance whenever whenever those big games come elite eight final four you win those you're going to get all the accolades you deserve, you don't have to do anything extra other than just win in advance.
0: Yeah. And speaking of accolades, Cade Cunningham became the first Oklahoma state basketball player ever to be named an AP first team. It's All-American. Yeah. It's hard to believe. Okay. We got to do it. Tournament's about to start. Final four predictions. Here we go. Who do you got? Give me your four.
1: I'm taking uh Gonzaga out of the West. They're just too good. Um, I
0: am doing the same. I will take the Zags. You look at Drew Timmy, Kispert, Suggs. They're the number one team in the country for a reason. And we'll
1: say undefeated though, is almost a kiss of death going into the tournament. The committee also showed them some
0: love, right? They've beaten pretty much every team in their bracket. So I, I don't know, but it just feels like they are. They're definitely headed to the final four
1: in the east are you gonna do it
0: you're gonna do it aren't you uh
1: i'm what i'm not taking texas if that's what you're asking i'm thinking
0: about taking texas so i'm glad you didn't now it makes it harder for me though
1: it's down to four teams though um which is really no surprise your top four seeds um i kind of like i know michigan is not the team right now for a lot of people but uh, I really like Michigan. It's To me, it's either Michigan or Alabama. I, I like how athletic Alabama is. I like their coach in Oates, but I hate to go chalk, but I'm going Michigan here, and that's bucking the trend. I don't know. I haven't seen hardly anyone take Michigan out of that, that uh, quadrant.
0: Michigan without Isaiah Livers. And we don't really know when he'll be back with the foot, right? You hear foot injury for a basketball player and you kind of go, oh, what what I'm not taking him. Uh, I can't take him. After watching them just get drilled a couple weeks ago. I without livers, I, I can't I can't take him to make the final four. Which leads me to quite the predicament, Teddy, because I'm either taking Texas or Alabama.
1: And Which we hate for two different reasons.
0: Yes, absolutely. And I think Texas is a better team. We watched Alabama, right? We watched how you beat them. Herb Jones can play. Shackelford kid can play. But I think the key is Jericho Sims. If Jericho Sims plays the way that he played in the Big 12 tournament, and by the way, Jericho Sims is an NBA player. I don't know if people don't realize that but the kid is an unreal athlete at 6'10, 6'11. I mean, he's he's going to play in the NBA. If he continues to be aggressive and continues to stay out of foul trouble, Texas is going to the final four. They are. They've got experienced guards, they've got good shooting, they've got a deep team, right? They can bring multiple guys off the bench, right? Kai Jones Sixth man of the year in the Big 12. Maybe he shouldn't have been. Maybe it should have been Taz Sherman from West Virginia. But they've got talent. They've got players. And I know some people may disagree, but I think Shaka Smart's a good coach. And I think they gained a lot of confidence from the Big 12 tournament. I'm taking Texas to come out of the East region. May God have mercy on my soul. (laughs)
1: and uh please everyone feel free to attack Gabe Eichert uh in the comment sections uh I on the other which please
0: five-star review if you you can you can tell me on the worst but please five-star review thank you
1: um I it's hard to argue with athletically extremely gifted um deep you make a lot of really good points there I just there's no way but it's funny because I'm gonna I'm gonna go right back to the, a similar well later on. But uh, in the South, I know I'm chalk right now, but I think Baylor is the team. A lot of people love Ohio State. I'm not in that group. I think Baylor is really good guard play. You know, honestly, if you kind of go back in recent history, Baylor's really been the best performing Big Twelve team in the tournament. They've been really good. So um, they've got that pedigree recently. I'm taking Baylor to make it to the final four out of the South. How about Done play?
0: Uh, I'm with you. I'm I'm taking Baylor. I think Baylor at its best, right? Kind of the team we saw playing before they took the COVID stoppage and we saw them play against West Virginia. Like it, it's still there for them. I do think that if they get North Carolina in the second round, that's a tough matchup for Baylor. They could really struggle with North Carolina's size. A little pucker the factor court.
1: going on in that game too, possibly. Yeah.
0: So, But I'm going to take Baylor to come out of the South. I know they're not invincible, but I just like that. Like you, I just like them a little more than Ohio State. Okay, who do you have coming out of the Midwest?
1: I got Oklahoma State. Everywhere, so I'm, you come at me for the Texas stuff. I know
0: when this whole time you knew you were putting Oklahoma State in the Final Four.
1: Yeah, well, I didn't know. I, I had it down between Oklahoma State and Houston, and I just I think Oklahoma State's better than Houston. Just kind of like you pointed out, the real question is that Sweet Sixteen matchup against Illinois. Um, mm. I think that is going to be a awesome game. And Illinois they're similar in a, in a sense that they are they're coming in hot at the right time. But I don't know, man. I I think Oklahoma State is I think they're they're looking really good. They've come together. The confidence is built at the right time. Uh, you've talked about Boynton. He is It finally looks like it's really clicked between him, his staff, the players, how that team plays, how they they kind of play for one another. They've got something going this year. Hate to say it, but I've got Oklahoma State, two teams for me making it to the uh, final four from the Big 12. Do you have three?
0: I do not. I'm going to take Illinois out of the Midwest. And, but I could see West Virginia. If West Virginia plays well, and I talked to Huggy Bear the other day on my serious show, and he basically said, well, if we, we hit shots, we're, we're a hard team to beat. And that's true. If they do hit shots, they are a hard team to beat because they're athletic, they've got length, they've got Culver there to score. But but
1: they suck in the tournament. They suck in the tournament. and They've Ayo had some DeSumo, really good teams that have been horrible in the tournament.
0: Iodasumu in the mask feel like it's just going to be a storyline and he's going to like take on a superhero persona and then maybe the most disappointing thing do you know who Kofi Coburn is for them yeah. the big guy mm-hmm. do you know how his last name is spelled no it's pronounced coburn but it's spelled C O C K B U R N coburn once again C O C K B U R N
1: Coburn, Kofi Coburn. How does that Smart. make sense at all? What do you mean, how does it make sense? <laughs> what, what? Who wants to are go the, around their heart? Are the C and K silent? Burn. okay? That's why it makes sense. It, but it's not how it's spelled. Like the C and K are silent. What? what? It's like, hey, meet my friend Joe Donnelly. No one cares how Donnelly is spelled. You just say, oh, hey, nice to meet you. On you go. If you say, meet my friend Cockburn, you know you, you, j- you know where that The goes. guy is
0: seven feet tall and weighs 290 pounds. Looks like he's chiseled out of sco- stone. Do you think anybody's going to make any Cockburn jokes to that guy? Come on.
1: Unfortunately, yes, because the joke writes itself. I'm just telling you, of course he pronounces it that way.
0: Okay, fair enough. But how I'll would still you
1: billy. how would you pronounce
0: it? I don't. I mean, it's it's Cockburn, like it's not Coburn. <laughs> That's not how it's spelled. It makes no sense. Okay, let's move on to winners and losers of the week. March is here, and the madness has officially begun. It's time for you to shoot your shot and score big on the nonstop action with my bookie. Select the winners from 63 tournament games in the MyBookie bracket contest for a chance at $10,000 in cash prizes and it's only a dollar to enter. It doesn't matter whether you are filling out multiple brackets, betting the national championship winner or simply looking for player and game props, MyBookie has you covered. Sign up today at mybookie.ag and use promo code OKLAHOMA to secure a deposit bonus up to $1,000. That's promo code OKLAHOMA to claim your first deposit bonus. College ball, NBA, and NHL, no matter the sport, no matter the minute, from tip-off to buzzer, my bookie puts the action in your hands with in-game live betting. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. And don't forget to send your kids to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School, Teddy. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School has a long tradition of educational excellence. They know that children need to be in school and are doing everything possible to make that happen. Bishop McGinnis students were welcomed back last August and saw very few interruptions in 2020 with a 12 to one student to teacher ratio. No student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis's college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic high school or visit BMCHS.org. Financial aid is available. And don't forget to contact our friends at advanced weight loss clinic of sand Springs. They'll help you execute a realistic and achievable weight loss plan designed for you and only you. They've got all kinds of treatments for men and women. They're licensed and trained experts combine diet and exercise with hormone therapies to maximize your results. If you're struggling with low libido or low energy, Advanced Weight Loss Clinic of Sand Springs can help with that too. They also offer Botox and fillers. To get on the path to losing weight, call 918-241-LOSE or visit their Facebook page. If you mention the podcast, you will get a free fat burner injection. Okay, Ted. Who did who? Once again, speaking, just not my strength. Who do you have that that phrase is just very difficult for me? Who do you have? Who do you have? Who do you have as your winner of the week?
1: Okay, so the story has made the rounds, and people may be shocked that I'm taking Badlands McNally What my winner <laughs> of the week. Um, You're taking the meth plane guy. I'm taking the meth plane guy who tried to land, uh, I don't know, a single-engine Cessna at Jinx Airport with 100 pounds of meth, a couple of firearms in there as my winner of the week. And the reason is this. When he was arrested, he told the police officers, drug enforcement, whoever was there to arrest him, that he was worried about getting his head chopped off. So, if you're worried about getting your head chopped off, now prison is not the safest place. Okay. Obviously, it's not the safest place. You're in there with a bunch of criminals, but he's far more likely to get his head chopped off on the outside than on the inside. So, the real, give him sharp
0: things in there. So, it'd be pretty hard to cut a guy's head off with like a little, you know, shiv made out of a toothbrush.
1: Yeah. I'm not saying he's not going to get killed. There is a good chance of that, but I think his head is going to stay intact. That's why he's the winner here. Had he not been arrested? Who knows? He's avoided getting his head chopped off. And in my book, that makes this dude a winner.
0: You pick the guy that <laughs> had a hundred pounds of meth in a plane. Now, but you make a good point, right? If, if it's about self-preservation <laughs> for our man, uh, Badlands McNally, then he made the right decision. Good choice. Now, he probably got could have gotten arrested in another way where he didn't have the 100 pounds of meth, but you never know, right? Mm-hmm. You never know. Maybe this was his way of ensuring that he got arrested and put away for a while so that He could keep his head, you know,
1: let the cartel find another target. Let them get pissed off at someone else while you're serving your 20 years or however long it's going to be. You know, the weird thing is, you know, a lot of times names, you're just, you're kind of predestined for something with your name. I feel like his parents really sentenced him to a life of uh, crime. It was ultimately always going to end up you know, carrying 100 pounds of meth in an airplane whenever you named the kid Badlands McNally.
0: Yeah, I feel like he's a bad guy from like the 1920s or something. Hey, you wouldn't see Badlands around here. Let me tell you the story about Badlands McNally. Something you'd read in the history books and be like, that's really that guy's name? So uh, just so I'm on the same page, uh you think he's a winner because...
1: Keeping his head attached. He's to keeping,
0: and it, oh, he'll probably get killed. But at least he gets to have an open
1: casket, right? He didn't tell the cops that he was worried about getting killed. <laughs> he told them he was worried about getting his head chopped off. So they said, "Hey, you're going into witness protection in prison for twenty years, so they're not going to be able to get to you in there." So I'll just say this: Badlands
0: McNally, name, good meth bad meth is bad
1: good name the other thing is when i heard the name hey there was a guy arrested flying an airplane full of drugs at jinx airport and his name was badlands mcnally i was like i cannot wait to see this guy really disappointed really really disappointed with what the picture turned out to look like he did not look like a badlands he looked more like a doug or a robert mcnally not a badlands
0: it may i i thought he would have red hair i i don't know why <laughs> he just did like i thought it was going to be a red-haired guy with like a big beard or something and then i saw Speak the of an I irish
1: like, accent yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> they want me meth <laughs> that's so stupid okay who do you have
1: as your loser of the week It has to be Bears fans. Has to be Bears fans. Somehow, the Bears brass, GM, scouting department, whoever's involved in trying to put together the Russell Wilson trade, let it get out, never shut it down, never distance themselves from the fact that the chicago bears are going to do everything in their power to get russell wilson ultimately to sign andy dalton and i think andy dalton is fine he's not going to win the bears the super bowl he's a stopgap it's a one year deal andy dalton we saw what he did at cincinnati he he did some some solid things in dallas considering the tough circumstances Andy uh, Dalton is a stopgap. But when your fan base expects for you to do everything in your power to land Russell Wilson and then you end up signing Andy Dalton, it's brutal. There was a guy in Nashville. He was a Bears fan, Gabe. He got attacked with a hammer from a homeless guy. He was a valet uh, attendant. He's attacked with a hammer, suffers serious injuries is knocked unconscious wakes up in the hospital. And the first thing he asks all his friends sitting there, he didn't know how long he'd been out. Did we sign Russell Wilson yet? Okay. That's how invested bears fans were. And finally, finally, after how long 85, however long it's been since they've had a quarterback. This is it. They're getting Russell Wilson one of the best in the game. Top five easy. And they signed Andy Dalton. I feel bad for him, man.
0: And if they didn't get Russell Wilson, then they were getting Deshaun Watson, right? They're going to trade for and by the way, he's got some he's got some legal issues. <laughs> accusations. Accusations. Now so, might
1: be the time to try and acquire him. Hey, you know, accusations
0: from some masseuses. <laughs> hey, you know, let the legal process pay it play out. Uh, Sean Watson has said he's an innocent man. Let it all play out. Doesn't seem like him. I'd say that everything I've ever heard about the guy is that he is awesome. So just that whole thing, little smells a little weird to me, but why did they give Andy Dalton $10 million? And with the possibility of it getting to, I think what $13 million. Then I think Schefter said there was $3 million more. He could make in incentives. He was making $3 million last year. With Dallas. Why'd they I give him he 10 made seven, and possibly he made 13 seven
1: last year with Dallas? Didn't he?
0: No, I think he made like three. And then well, the incentive, I don't know what the incentives got him to. That's a good point.
1: Here's the thing. I know it sounds crazy. $10 million. Are you kidding me? I'll just remind everyone that Andre Robertson made like 14. It was six. Sixteen million dollars a year?
0: He was making like ten. Just calm down. You're okay, thinking of Stephen 10. Adams, who's making like twenty
1: five. Right. In the grand scheme of things, a ten million dollars for a starting quarterback in the NFL is cheap, 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 cheap. It's less than a quarter of what, um, what Mahomes is going to make. What, um. Watson you know, Watson. They, uh, why am I trying to blank Prescott? The deal he just signed. It's less than a quarter of that for a starting quarterback. It's really cheap, man. It's, he's going to be one of the lowest paid starting quarterbacks in the league. That's not on a rookie deal. Yeah. So in the grand scheme of things, it's not that bad, but God, is it disappointing whenever you honestly thought you were going to get Russell Wilson and they offered a King's ransom to Seattle for Russell Wilson. Did you see that?
0: I I don't think there's anything that they would trade him for, right? And I know that they leaked the list of, oh, no, I don't want to be traded, but here's four spots I would like to go if I was ever traded. Like, that whole thing was weird, but, yeah, I, if you're Seattle, you just said, sorry, man. <laughs> yeah,
1: you're, you're staying. Yeah. I mean, the only thing that happens there is he could, you know call their bluff and be like, "Ah, you know what? I'm just not going to play. Appreciate it, guys. Talk to you later." Which, you know, he doesn't seem is... like
2: that
0: kind of guy.
1: He doesn't. Right? No. He doesn't, but That would
0: be really weird. That would be that would be a heel turn of epic proportions for a star player in the NFL.
1: It would. So, I mean, ultimately, yeah, I think he's going to be back in Seattle, but boy, those those poor Bears fans they thought maybe they were going to get a quarterback. No, 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 no. Nope. No, Andy Dalton. Sorry.
0: You can't have nice things. Bears <laughs> fans. Okay. My winner of the week. Uh, thought about going with Kyler Murray, right? Cardinals signed AJ Green. Seems like a really Love nice. Love it. Re- it seems like a really nice wide receiver too behind DeAndre Hopkins. Now AJ Green needs to stay healthy, which has been an issue for in the last couple of years, but. The Cardinals also trade for Rodney Hudson, the center from the Raiders, after that whole weird ordeal that I still don't know. Like, they said they were going to release him. I don't know. It was bizarre. But Kyler adds one of the best centers in the league. And then if A.J. Green can bi- get back to being A.J. Green, now that's kind of a big if because father time. But that's pretty damn good day for Kyler Murray. I also thought about going with Lou Dort, because saw the Thunder, hey, fully guaranteed the last two years of his de- his deal. That guy just continues to be absolutely fantastic to watch Ted. I, I, I love Lou Dort. I have no problem saying that. I don't know if I love him as much as Velveeta Cheese, but I love
1: him. <laughs> no, I, he, he's tough. He's scrappy. And he's young, man. That's the great thing is he's young. And he's going to continue to grow as a basketball player.
0: Yeah, but my winner of the week, it goes to the silverback. Trent Williams what a deal for our man Trent Williams Uh, this is a guy that took a year off in 2019 because of that whole weird situation in Washington Uh, came back last season and absolutely balled for the 49ers he was the best left tackle in the league and I will gladly debate anyone that thinks differently but he signs a six-year $138 million contract that includes over $55 million guaranteed. And he will, uh, he'll get a signing bonus. That's a little over $30 million. That's a good day. That's a good day. This makes him the highest paid offensive lineman in the history of the national football league until the next guy breaks it. Probably what, like next year, I don't know who's going to be up in free agency, but I love the part where Trent's deal pays him ten thousand more dollars than David Bakhtiari. Like on average, and Bakhtiari tweeted about it was like, "Man, you're petty, petty (laughs) AF." It was pretty (laughs) funny, but Ted, guys, a tremendous player. He was an amazing college player. He's been an even better pro, and it, it was real after what he went through in Washington and some of those stories that he talked about. I was. I was really happy to see Trent get this money. He deserves it. He's in he's an amazing football player.
1: That clip of him crushing that backer for the Cardinals last season, you know the one I'm talking about, was awesome.
0: Believe that is George right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah, that was brutal. No, I hey, I'm totally happy for him. But let me ask you a question. What do you think? Trent Williams would rather have the $55 million guaranteed or not have his head chopped off.
0: I think anyone's going to choose keeping your head. So, so what you're saying if the, is, if the two choice, okay,
1: Badlands is is the well, winner here. McNally,
0: McNally's the real winner. Yes. <laughs> so if the two choices are, you get fifty five million dollars guaranteed, and the other choice is losing your head. Like you 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 want the money, but whatever you you're, uh, you're you always taking,
1: me, you're always keeping the head.
0: Like can I have
1: five years before you take my head off? I may take the fifty five million. <laughs>
0: I think I'm keeping the head and I'll just, you know, we'll keep churning out radio shows. We'll keep churning out podcasts. We'll keep this thing on going, but yeah. Oh man. 55 million guaranteed. That's a lot of money.
1: A lot of cash.
0: Makes me happy for him. Okay. My loser of the week. I thought, I thought about going with bad Lance McNally, but then you went with him as your winner of the week and I was perplexed, but I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I was going to go with the Raiders for the whole Rodney Hudson situation but that they end up trading him getting a pick whatever but when it looked like that they were going to release him and it was actually going to shrink their salary cap or it was going to shrink their you know cap space I was like what what are they doing so I I don't know but so that ended up working out but loser of the week I'm going with ACC football coaches I don't know if you saw this Teddy but with the NCAA transfer rules inevitably changing to allow players to transfer once without penalty, the ACC kind of quietly eliminated its interconference transfer rule. So, what that means is a player can transfer from one ACC school to another without having to sit out a year. Any player, not a graduate, any player. So, that seems like it's going to be a real pain in the ass for ACC coaches. But it kind of led me to think is this where we're headed in college football? Where, you know, a guy can transfer from OU to, to Texas and start for Texas the next year. That just sounds gross saying it out loud, but it just kind of got me thinking is every conference eventually going to jump on board with this because I've heard Lincoln Riley talk about it publicly saying that he hopes the Big 12 keeps their rule in place but I don't know man I I saw the ACC do it and I was like man this kind of feels like a domino situation
1: I this this feels like the Notre Dame NCAA football thing right where they haven't announced a date that it's coming out, but just to get out in front of everyone, they said, well, we're not participating until our guys can get a piece of the cut, knowing that a lot of that legislation is out there and being worked on right now. And by the time that game rolls around, that pretty good chance that they'll have that ironed out. But in order to get out there and put it out there and kind of be the first one to say it, it gives you some good positive publicity. I feel like the ACC has somehow with the the powers that be has a really good feeling that this trend, this is about to what it's going to be like in all the college football and they're not going to have a say in it. And before they don't have a say in it in order to get some, some positive, um, you know, public support out of the deal maybe recruiting they go ahead and like I'll be first they jump out there and do it first knowing that inevitably it's going to be coming and maybe for a year or two or who knows how long you can recruit kids and say hey we've you know if you want to go to Florida State after you come here I know they're recruiting you too you'll be able to transfer there you know if you if you're trying to decide between Miami or or Florida State, and, you know, you're there for a year or two and you don't like it, you'll be able to transfer. I think that's a recruiting tool that maybe they're going to be able to use in the interim before it's made an NCAA rule, and I think it's smart. I mean, I know it's scary to think about, but NFL deals with it, and NFL deals with it during the actual season you get guys from each team that move around. check does it pretty much every week. Right. So I, I don't think it's all that big of a deal. Right. I mean, here's the thing. Your starting quarterbacks not going to transfer and and go somewhere else. You know, he's going to leave if he gets benched and beat out. Your starters, the guys that are playing significant time, that actually um, you know mean the most to your football team. Not to say that other guys don't mean a lot too, but th- those guys aren't going to be the ones transferring. I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal.
0: Yeah. And it just kind of feels like where everything is headed. We'll see. On that note, episode 95 in the books, we'll have a new podcast that'll drop Monday morning. Just a reminder you can hear Teddy from two to six on Sports Talk 1400. You can hear me from three to five on Sirius XM Big 12 Radio, Channel 375. Hope you all have a great weekend. Until next time, we appreciate you all for listening and do what you always do Oklahoma. Take care of each other.